This podcast is made possible by Mississippi Land Bank. They understand the lay of the land in North Mississippi. For anything land-related, visit them online at mslandbank.com. Land Bank! 25 seconds left to play. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John! Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the west right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. He's The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Hello, hello, hello. Let's do it. Hour number two of the show, off and running. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team. They are your home team across the great state of Mississippi. Hometown heroes, that's your local Farm Bureau insurance agent. And uh, staying connected to you here on the show, not just while we're on the show, but around the clock, off the clock at night and in the early morning and uploading and posting and streaming and tweeting and Instagramming and all that kind of stuff. Thanks to C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi, C Spire, customer inspired at cspire.com. Listen, y'all help me out. Hit me up today on the uh, country please and text line. I had a really busy first hour. Um, Beaver, uh, I must say, I'm always a little uh, shocked or taken aback at how interested people on the text line always are in uh, my feud with Squirrel. People are fascinated by that for some reason. Do you understand yeah. that? Yeah, they like to know what's going on because they don't get a lot of, you know, caller, yeah. host, uh, bad. I can't say bad blood story, but Spats. you know what I, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I know what you're trying to say. It's just don't get the they... stories of any beefs. Beefs. That's what I'm. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. What's the origin of that? Like, I know what beef is, but why did somebody attach that to having you got beef with somebody? I've never thought about that. The origin of that, like, we know what it means, but we never stop to go, why? Ugh. I don't want to have beef with you. I want my own beef. <laughs> Between two buns. Remember those Where's the Beef commercials? I don't know, if Beaver, I don't know if you're old enough to remember those. Oh, yeah, the old lady. Yeah. Where's the beef? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people are always fascinated. Like, if it even comes up in the slightest, I don't know. People just kind of go nuts over it. We had a lot of texts about that in hour one. Y'all hit me up on the text line today, 885-ESPN. Uh, it's a 601 number, 885-ESPN, or 885-3776. We had a holiday over the weekend. It was Saturday, July the 4th. What'd you do on July 4th? You know what? Doggone, Beaver. I came back in here yesterday on Monday. I didn't even ask you how your July 4th holiday went. 
I hope it went well. Well, you didn't, you didn't even need to because I didn't do ugh, a very boring weekend. <laughs> do you um, when it, shoot any fireworks? I didn't shoot fireworks. I didn't. I didn't shoot fireworks, and I went over to my friend's house. Mm-hmm. Well, this is my best friend, but hmm, he's questionable. He's <laughs> questionable. He informed me over the weekend. Uh, well, first of all, he thinks that college football doesn't matter, Matt. Oh, uh, why? I, I've never told you this story. Me and Matt. I mean, I'm sorry. I work with too many people. Yeah, you do. Uh, um, me and Jake have discussed this. Yeah, my my friend, he doesn't believe that college football is entertaining. He believes that only the NFL matters because in college, they're, as he says, quote, they're not paid. The professionals are paid. That may, but They're paid because they're the best athletes, and you're watching professionals then. Hmm. Yeah, so uh. that... I, th- I think that's um, I think that's very shaky reasoning. I agree. Yeah, I, I would be on your side of this deal here. I would. No, I tell you. Okay, so I didn't shoot any fireworks either. I like to call them firecrackers because that's what I called them when I was a kid. <laughs> if we shoot some firecrackers, one of my first fireworks experiences I can ever remember. I was in the neighborhood of about three years old, and I was in the backyard with my dad, and he was going to shoot some bottle rockets. My dad's always been a huge fan of bottle rockets. (laughs) And at the time, I'm three years old. My dad's in his 20s. I mean, he's like 25, 26 years old, okay? And we were on one side of the yard. On the other side of the yard was our picnic table. And it was the first time I'd ever seen a bottle rocket. He slides it down into the bottle. We actually had a real bottle we're shooting it out of. And he lights the fuse and it started sparking. And little three-year-old Matt kind of got scared and took off running. I ran to the other side of the yard and hid behind the picnic table. And when that bottle rocket fired, it was a dud. And it had just enough gas to shoot it over the picnic table and landed right beside me. (laughs) And then it went, bam! <clears throat> and it scared little Matt half to death. And my dad thought it was hilarious. He really thought it was funny. Hey, Chris is on the Divinity Equipment phone line. Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson. Your Kubota dealer. The Divinity phone, 995-1059. Chris, uh, do you have a good July 4th weekend? I hope so. Oh, yeah. Taste the picture on all week. Uh-huh. You shoot me. Tell me how that is. I mean, you got you got a small one, so you know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, she's eight, going on eighteen. That whole thing, you know. Yeah, but um, I missed yesterday because I was getting a temporary bridge put in my mouth when you were on the radio. Oh gosh, I didn't get to listen. Um, what um, what was your? I kind of heard the gist of your news is that you're supposed to go to three hours. Yeah, that's it. It's um, this show will be a three-hour show and go all the way until 3 p.m. starting on July the 20th. And on that same day, on the 20th, Jake's show will begin at 3 p.m. So starting later this month, the afternoons here on 105.9 are going to be me for three hours, leading right up to Jake for three hours. So no more Jerry Springer. Well, yeah, right. 
Right. <laughs> but, I, well, yeah, yeah. but I think he's moving That's one thing. to a later time slot at night. Okay, so my other question is this. Um, Beaver also dropped some news on me that you was going to be gone all next week. Yeah, um going to take a family vacation, and it'll that way um, we can get a vacation time in together where – uh, Daddy doesn't have to pay attention to his job for a few days before we come back and start doing a three-hour radio show every day. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's that's awesome. I'm I'm glad to hear that. I hope y'all have fun. But uh, yeah, thank you. Does that mean we got to listen to Golic Wingo, or are you gonna just play Jerry Clower over? And over? <laughs> I don't think we can do it every day. I'll talk to Beaver and see what he thinks is best. He's the smart one with all that stuff. Well, I can promise you, if you let your listeners know, we'd rather listen to Jerry Clower. So, Every day. But anyway, I hope y'all have a good week. And if, uh, y'all, I hope y'all have a good week. And if I don't get to talk to you for the rest of the week, have a good vacation, and I'll talk to you later. All right, man. All right. Appreciate it, Chris. Thank you. No, the other thing that jumped up on the 4th for me, and I've started to remember it every year. Of course, remembered it this past weekend, and it was um, – it, you know, it's one of those things where it's July 4th, it's a holiday, there's all the positive stuff we celebrate, but this now is a negative thing. Uh, it was the 11-year anniversary of uh, Steve McNair being killed in Nashville. Yeah, that was Saturday, July 4th, that was 11 years ago. Yep. And I got to looking up, reading, watching some old highlights of Steve McNair He's at Alcorn State. It's just incredible. And I, I did not, I wasn't living in Alabama at the time that he was playing. I'm sorry. I was not living in Mississippi at the time that he was playing at Alcorn. I was a, a kid growing up in Alabama. But heck, I knew about him. Everybody in the country knew about Steve McNair because of SportsCenter. We all watched SportsCenter back then, which no, hardly anybody does anymore. It was a big deal back then. And the fact that they, they just had wall-to-wall coverage of this guy named Air McNair at uh, some school called Alcorn State that, he, you know, he was unbelievable. He couldn't be stopped. And, you know, I don't know if y'all ever thought about this, but at the time that Steve McNair was doing all that at Alcorn in the early 90s, I think, what, the 94 season was his senior year at Alcorn? Is that right? Yeah, I think that's right. For them nationally and on like ESPN to give him the nickname Air, I realize it rhymed with McNair and I realize he was a great thrower and they aired the football out. But for them to give him that name, you don't realize how significant it was looking back. I mean, you just got through watching a big, I don't know, what was it, eight, ten part documentary series on ESPN about Michael Jordan. He was Air Jordan. Okay, he was Air Jordan. That's why they called Steve McNair Air McNair. The significance of earning that nickname and it being accepted nationally, it just illustrates how unbelievable he was. It's just incredible. Okay, so I tweeted about it back on Saturday. On July 4th, I tweeted and said, we tragically lost Air McNair 11 years ago today. The biggest Heisman snub in history. Single-handedly had all corn all over SportsCenter. And that was a big deal back then. That was my tweet. 
And a couple of 300 people or so have liked it and, and shared that thing because they agree. People agree and they understand it's such a tragic deal that, um, you know, it obviously transcends football that Steve McNair's life was cut short. Uh, but he was unbelievable. And I think we forget it sometimes. Anybody, I just wish like crazy I could have seen him play in person in college. I really, really do. I really wish that I could have seen it with my own eyes. It was just highlights, you know, and now I can go on YouTube and find those highlights. But, buddy, listen, it's the biggest, in my opinion, Heisman snub ever. We talked about this at some point. It might have been last year. Heck, I don't know. Y'all remember the conversation, but on that anniversary of his death, and I tweeted that Saturday, I had to look it back up, and yeah, that year, the 1994 Heisman Trophy voting, Number one, Colorado running back, junior running back at Colorado, Rashawn Salam, won the Heisman Trophy. And he was good. I mean, he got an overwhelming number of first-place votes, but he's a running back at Colorado. He ran for 1,700 yards. He didn't run for 2,000 or something like that. He ran for 1,700 yards. I'm sorry, I've got that wrong. He did he did rush for 2,000. It was just barely over 2,000 net. 2,055 yards and 24 touchdowns. Okay, the guy who finished second in the Heisman voting that year was Kajana Carter, the running back at Penn State, who had one fewer touchdown than Rashawn Salam on a hundred fewer carries. Think about that. That puts it in perspective how many times Rashawn Salam got the ball at Colorado that year. He had 298 carries. Kajana Carter had 198. Still almost had as many rushing touchdowns. And then there was Steve McNair. Number three, he was third in the voting. Ahead of Kerry Collins at Penn State. Number four, number five in 94 in the Heisman voting was Jay Barker, the quarterback at Alabama. Warren Sapp got, was sixth in the voting. Eric Zier, the quarterback at Georgia, was seventh. Lawrence Phillips, the running back at Nebraska, who was just a sophomore at that time, was eighth. Napoleon Kaufman, the Washington running back, was ninth. And tied with him was Zach, uh, some offensive lineman at Nebraska who actually got votes in the Heisman. But he finished, I mean, Steve McNair. And I've told y'all before, um, his numbers that particular year in 94, and he's finishing behind a couple of running backs. But I've told y'all his numbers before there at Alcorn. It's just, it's, it's hard to imagine. It really is hard to imagine some of the numbers that he put up. In 1994, Steve McNair completed 58% of his passes at Alcorn for 5,377 yards. 47 touchdowns. <laughs> it's incredible. He had a combined 
6,281 yards of offense. So the guy, his senior year, not only threw for 5,377, he also rushed for 904. I mean, and, and you and I both know the single, solitary, only reason that he didn't win the Heisman that year was because he didn't play at a big school. That's it. That's it. That's the deal. Uh, Bleacher Report put out a list last year of the biggest Heisman snubs ever. Um, number seven, uh, Herschel Walker in 1980 didn't win it. Uh, 92, Marshall Falk, running back San Diego State. Uh, they point out in 95, Tommy Frazier, quarterback Nebraska. Instead of Eddie, uh, instead of uh, Tommy Frazier getting the Heisman at Nebraska in 95, they gave it to Eddie George, a running back uh, Ohio State. Now, somebody brought this up. They said, no, Steve McNair was not the biggest Heisman snub ever. It was Peyton Manning at Tennessee. 1997, uh, two years earlier as a sophomore, Peyton Manning finished sixth in the voting. He finished eighth in 96. And then in 97, finished second behind Charles Woodson, the two-way player out of Michigan and now is an NFL Hall of Famer. Peyton Manning that year, 97, threw for 3,819 yards, 36 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Yeah. But nobody at Bleacher Report in their top seven Heisman snubs of all time thought it appropriate to put Steve McNair in there. And again, it's because of where he played. He didn't play at the Division I level. All right, uh, here we go. Country Please and text line 885-ESPN. Y'all text away 885-ESPN. Michael texted the show and he said, um, I like college football more than the NFL because the players in college are working harder to try to make it to the NFL, trying to get paid. Everybody's got the reasonings, you know, to say that college football is not, you know, entertaining. And maybe it's not as entertaining as the NFL. The, the, the ratings on television and otherwise would back it up. But how are you going to have ratings when you got, you know, 120 Division One teams versus 32 in the NFL? It's just and and the markets are different. It's totally different. You know, there's 45 college games on TV each weekend. There's 16 in the NFL, so the ratings are obviously going to be different. Teamite says, well, those professionals were once college players. Come on, man. And see, that's the thing, too. There are a lot of people that love, love um, college football from the perspective of they watch it to keep up with players who are going to be in the NFL. Now, the gambling part of it also, yeah, the gambling part of it also is a big deal that draws people to the sport. And since they've opened it up, you know, and it will have an effect long term. Boomer Sooner on the Country Please and Text Line says, Matt, stop wasting more time talking about himself. Make it stop. Squirrel is going to quit listening. <laughs> what I th- what was I talking about? I was talking about the um, 
the uh, spat between me and Squirrel, see, that included Squirrel. It wasn't just me. It also included him. Bill on the Country Pleasing text line says, uh, please tell us that we will not be subjected to the bozo and bingo while you're on vacation. Y'all come up with more variations of names for the national shows. I can't even remember them all. Uh, Pat on the Country Pleasing text line says, McNair literally had video game numbers. He, exactly. Um, War Eagle, Jeremy says, it was Division One. It was 1AA. Yeah, I know. You say, well, I know Alcorn is now. That's right. Back then, it's 1AA. Now it's the FCS. That's right. In the swag. But, you, you know, you knew what I meant. You knew what I meant. Like I said, you know, if I'd said... They're FCS and not FBS, right? Well, back then it was Division One or Division One Double A, but I mean that was the sole primary reason. But see, Steve McNair was so obviously on a different level. Well, let me ask you this. Let me ask y'all this. Look at it this way. We saw Cam Newton for one year in college, and it was at Auburn, right? And he was dominant, and he won the Heisman. We saw what he did with a legit SEC team around him. And they were not a great SEC team around him. They had one great player on defense and fairly, but they had a bunch of other good players, sure. But they don't win a national championship without Cam Newton. What would Cam Newton do that one year, 2010, Cam Newton, senior in college, Cam Newton, what would he do playing one year in the FCS level. What if you took Cam Newton for one year back then and put him on Alcorn's roster or put him at Jackson State? What would his numbers have been? I mean, Cam Newton won the Heisman at Auburn because they won a national championship, had a good team around him. But if you took Cam Newton and put him one year in the SWAC, what would his numbers be? What would he do? How would he play? I guarantee you he wouldn't throw for as many yards as Steve McNair did. And I guarantee you he wouldn't throw for as many touchdowns. Now, in 94, Steve McNair didn't rush for 1,000 yards. He, re- he rushed for 900. Okay, well, Cam Newton might rush for 1,200, 1,300 yards in a sweat. But I guarantee you he wouldn't throw for over 5,000 yards and 50-some-odd touchdowns. And that's the same Cam Newton that led the Carolina Panthers and was deserving of a one uh, a number one pick. Car with Are we in a break, Beaver? Yes. All right. Stick around. We'll be right back. For more information. All right. Rolling along with you here on this Tuesday. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. Uh, Denzel on the country pleasing text line said, Auburn doesn't beat Mississippi State that year without Cam Newton. 
Um, I remember that game very well. 17 to 10, I believe, was the final, or was it 17 14? Heck, I think it might have been 17 14. <laughs> I said I remembered it. I'd have to go uh, look it up. I know it was close, but it seems like I remember that a field goal would have potentially gotten that thing into overtime at the end. That was in 2010. And, you know, there were a couple of huge missed opportunities in that game for State right at the end. When you're playing a team like Auburn, they were the eventual national champs and, you know, a really good team, and so you couldn't afford any mistakes. Yeah, 17-14 to 14 is what it was. And State was the last to score. They were down um, 17-7, scored in the third quarter to make it a field goal game. It was um, a 12-play drive. Vic Ballard scored from a yard out. They kicked the point, made it 17-14. That was in the third quarter. But you'll remember, in that fourth quarter, a couple of things happened. Uh, One was Cam Newton turned to his right and threw a pass out into the flat. And the cornerback, was it Broomfield? Or was he a senior in 09? It might have been Broomfield, but... Anyway, the the defensive back corner for Mississippi State jumped the route, read it perfectly, jumped it, the ball hits him. It's an easy pick six. If he catches it, it's just one of those you jump it, you catch it, you walk into the end zone. And it hits him right in the gut, and he dropped it. And if he catches that and walks it into the end zone, that's pretty much it, ball game. Pretty much it, right? Because it was late. It was fourth quarter, wasn't it? And then the other thing I remember, too, was a drive late for Mississippi State on offense where there was a drop pass. Uh, Chris Relf, quarterback, I think it was Relf in the ballgame, throws one down the field, and the Mississippi State receiver um, just dropped it. It was inside of a minute. It was deep in Auburn territory. If he catches that, it puts him in a position to run some plays to try to win the game but certainly put him in a position to be conservative, maybe kick a field goal, get it in overtime. Now, that Cam Newton offense with that big rascal running the ball from the 25-yard line in certainly would have been hard to to stop in an overtime situation. But uh, that's the one game. Because, look, let's be honest, Denzel, what's the conversation always been? It's always ever since 2010 it's been, well, what if Mississippi State had actually paid Cam Newton and got him to come to State? With that team, they won nine games without him. They had a bunch of NFL players on defense. I believe State could have made a run at the national championship if they'd had Cam Newton. That's what everybody's always said. And so they always look back at that particular game, 17-14, the eventual national champion. And the truth is Auburn did get better after that. They started throwing the football a lot better after that as well. Ole Miss fans will remember it. Man, look, by the end of the year, you go watch what Cam Newton did throwing the football against that Ole Miss team in 2010. Of course, they weren't any good, but still go watch it. And then go watch what he did throwing the football against Alabama in Tuscaloosa. He started the year as this big 6-6, guy that nobody could tackle or catch. And by the end of the year, he turned into Peyton Manning. He's doing whatever he wanted to in the pass game. It was just an incredible, incredible season. And I only bring that up and brought it up, Denzel, because I'm making a comparison. It, it's, it's to back up my argument that Steve McNair was the biggest Heisman snub in Heisman history. 
You know, a running back from Colorado. Huge numbers. Running back from Colorado. Okay, big numbers. 2,000-yard rusher. They give it to him. He's at Colorado. Okay, but a guy, the running back at Penn State, at Penn State gets more votes than Steve McNair. And it just makes no sense. And the only reason is because he was FCS Division I AA. Chris, uh, Steve McNair's numbers in 94. There's a reason. He was the most, his highlights were the most entertaining part of SportsCenter that whole year. Not Tennessee and Peyton Manning and, you know, coming on as a freshman in 94, not all that other stuff. The most entertaining part of SportsCenter that whole year were the Air McNair highlights from Alcorn State that they showed every weekend. No doubt about it. Let's see, where are we? Yeah, Denzel said if if Cam had come to state, they would have won 10 regular season games instead of nine. Uh, Jason in Flagstaff says, now did Jason in Flagstaff cause you to leave the head-to-head show by saying he wouldn't listen to anything earlier? Well, hang up and listen. No, uh-uh. I don't get the correlation there, Jason, but no, no. I mean, you didn't have anything to do with that at all. Brian on Twitter. I'm at Radio Wyatt on Twitter. Brian says, Steve McNair's stats were mind-boggling in college. Just incredible. But compare those stats to Joe Burrow's and think about him doing that in the SEC West and against seven top ten teams in 2019. That's hard to wrap your mind around. You're exactly right it is. And that's, that's the reason that many people, and it's accepted that many people say Joe Burrow just had the greatest season by a college quarterback ever. That so they not only say it, but they accept it. You know, and it's how you, how are we going to argue? Um, I don't think you can argue it. All right, let's do another one. Team number sixty-one. The countdown of a hundred teams in a hundred days. Here we go. It's the one hundred teams. One hundred days. The Countdown is presented by Matt Anderson Properties, a member of National Land Realty. Call Matt Anderson at 408-5155. That's 408-5155. All right. Matt Anderson Properties with National Land Realty. They can help you buy or sell that piece of recreational property, timberland, you know, that lakefront, get yourself a lake house. Maybe you're selling one. He can help you with all that. And they've got the 360-degree interactive drone touring. So you can view a property without ever setting foot on it. It's really cool. If you're selling your property, get comprehensive Internet traffic reports for your listing. Matt Anderson at 408-5155, 408-5155. Team number 61 on the countdown of 100 teams is Wyoming. They're spelling out cowboys now. 
the name of their fight song is Cowboy Joe. The lyrics say he always sings ragged music to his cattle as he swings back and forward in the saddle on a horse. Then they all yell, pretty good horse! He's a syncopated gator, and you're out to hear the meter to the roar of his repeater, how they run, yes run, when they hear him come, because the Western folks all know, here's the, here's the uh, chorus of their fight song. He's a highfalutin, rootin' tootin' son of a gun from old Wyoming, ragtime cowboy, talk about your cowboy, ragtime cowboy Joe. Now, boys, listen. That right there is a fight song. <clears throat> yeah. Wyoming, uh, team number 61. And I know state fans, listen, you're going, hold on a minute. Hold on just a doggone minute, Matt. You're using, you're telling me you're using the football power index as your list. And they had state at 72 and they got Wyoming at 61? Huh? Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. We got team number 60 coming up uh, later in the show as well, because today is 60 days away from September the 5th. Wyoming is scheduled to play uh, Weber State out of Utah on Saturday, September the 5th. They will travel to Lafayette, Louisiana to take on ULL in week two. Pretty cool to get to host a team from the Pac-12 in week three. Utah goes out there. Wyoming will have their hands full. Anyway, that's a look at what they're going to do to start the schedule in a couple of months. Last season, you may remember this, last season Wyoming started the season at Missouri. I'm sorry, they hosted Missouri out of the SEC and beat them. Yep, Wyoming. They were a pretty good football team last year. They went 7-5 and five and then beat Georgia State in a bowl game to go 8-5. and five. So it's an eight-win team from a year ago, including a win over Missouri out of the SEC. Uh, they gave Boise State a run for their money out in the Mountain West. And when they went to Boise the first weekend in November last year, Wyoming played them into overtime. A 20-17 to 17 game at Boise State out in uh, in overtime. 20-17 to 17 in overtime. That's a peek at Wyoming. Team number 60, as we are 60 days away from September the 5th, coming up. And they are out of the ACC. And there's an interesting Mississippi tie right in there. So I'll tell you what all that is coming up next. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. Back on the show. I'm a horse today, Beaver. Like my voice is giving out. Now, it's not like laryngitis giving out or whatever, but I'm hoarse. Like your, your voice is weak. I don't feel bad at all. 
But they say that's one of the things that happens with coronavirus. <laughs> Your voice starts giving out. Okay. How's 100 grand? 100 grand, where are you? We want to check in on you. You were someone here on the show. You let us know last week that you had tested positive. I certainly hope that you're doing okay, feeling okay. Hope you're able to listen. Thoughts and prayers with 100 grand as he hangs in there and tries to fight it off. No doubt about it. Uh, today, July the 7th, National Father-Daughter Take-A-Walk Day. That's a good one. That's a good one. Father-Daughter Take-A-Walk Day. Let's go for a walk. Kind of hot, humid, and muggy. Spray down with some bug spray. On the bug spray, DEET or no DEET? Which one are you? Uh, July 7th is also National Macaroni Day. Not a big fan of macaroni. July 7th, National Strawberry Sunday Day. And it's also National Dive Bar Day. So go to a dive bar. It's National Dive Bar Day. Have a strawberry sundae at a dive bar, a side of macaroni, and then walk out and take a walk with your daughter, and uh, you'd have it all covered. Strawberry sundae. Let's think about a sundae. There's more in there than just strawberries, right? The English language is so weird, too. You know you don't spell like a this type of sundae, like chocolate sundae, strawberry sundae. You don't spell it like the day of the week. It has an E on the end. S-U-N-D-A-E. Isn't it weird? No wonder, like, I mean, it's just weird. Why in the world would they come up with that? <laughs> okay, here we go. As we wrap things up with you here today, country please and text line. Jason in... Flagstaff, Arizona, said that with Steve McNair, Mississippi State, had they recruited and signed him, would have won the national championship in the NCAA. He said, run and tell that. Absolutely, I agree with that. A lot of teams would have. He was that good. Jason also said he saw some wild horses when he went rafting the Salt River outside of Phoenix last summer. was 109 degrees at 7 a.m., yeah, but it's dry heat, right, Jason? It's dry heat. <laughs> and then what they say about it out west, it's dry heat. So it fools you and you pass out and die before you even know anything hits you. It's like, isn't that what they say about it? Anthony from Tupelo says, I feel pretty confident that State would drop at least 60 points on Wyoming. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Wyoming's pretty good, pretty competitive. They have a great fight song, Cowboy Joe. Look up one of those virgin, virgin, virgins. Don't look that up. Look up one of those versions of the Wyoming fight song where they sing the words. It's great. Cowboy Joe, rootin' tootin' cowboy. Pat is texting the show, and he says, uh, Matt, what was recruiting like with McNair? Did he choose to go the Division II route, or was he simply looked over? I have never, you know, confirmed this with somebody who was in, involved with it. Um, I don't know that, um, I don't know where I got it, Pat, but I've just always gone on the idea that somebody gave me along the way that the division one programs, uh, division one, you know, FBS, SEC schools were recruiting him to play defensive back out of Mount Olive. They were, 
they were not recruiting him as a quarterback or not guaranteeing him that he was going to be a quarterback and he was going to play quarterback. That's what I was always told, that it was a nobody was recruiting him at the highest level to be a QB and he wanted to play quarterback and was going to go wherever he could play quarterback. I mean, that's what I was always told about it. Real quick, let's jump over to the Divinity Equipment phone line where Jason out in Flagstaff is hanging on. What's up, Jason? Yeah, nothing much. You were talking about the Cowboys from Wyoming, and it kind of jarred a little memory I have going tubing on a salt river outside of Phoenix last summer. It was 109 degrees at 7 a.m., but that's not the big thing. The big thing was we had a herd of wild horses walk right up to us. Gorgeous, mm. like a rainbow of horses just walked right up to us. Man, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. I was I was on a boat ride down in Jacksonville, Florida, about eight years ago or so. Some friends of ours down. We were down there for a trip, and some friends of ours' parents lived down there. They had a boat. They took us out on this boat. And there's some of y'all may know what this is. There's this island that you can go to out from. Jacksonville and out on this island is the ruins of some big mansion that was on this island that like one of the Kennedys got married out there on this thing and it's all knocked down or whatever. Some big mansion that was built and owned on this island by some big oil tycoon or something. I don't know. But anyway, uh, the island now has wild horses running around all over it, Jason. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, it's really cool. Where those things took hold, they they are wild, and they they took back over. Yeah. I'll send you some stuff about Phoenix. There's a whole like wildlife program out here for them. Mm. They're not native to the area, but they the people demand that they be protected anyway because they're horses. <laughs> How about that? Pretty cool. Wild horses in Phoenix, Arizona. I didn't even know. I had no idea. Pretty cool. Yeah, they're pretty statewide, except for up here on the northern end, for whatever reason. But yeah. Anyway, get the dude's chicken back. Yeah, <laughs> Y'all that's right. Easy. We'll do it. We, right. We're working on Brooks to bring the chicken back, or at least replenish it. He owes Beaver some chicken. Chicken thief. <laughs> that's another one. We're poor, poor Chris. We're not ever going to let him live that one down either. All right, final one. We are sixty days. Today is sixty days. From Saturday, September the 5th. So we're at team number 60 on our countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. Let's go. It's the final 100 teams. 100 days. The countdown is presented by Matt Anderson Properties, a member of National Land Realty. Call Matt Anderson at 408 5155. That's 408 5155. Team number 60 from the ACC, the Fighting David Cutcliffs of Duke. Yeah, so last season, Duke missed out on a bowl game. They only won five games. But they did end on a high note. They lost the season opener against Alabama 42-3. It's exactly what we all knew was going to happen. 
And then they reeled off three straight wins last year. Coach Cut got them up. 45-13 over North Carolina A&T. 41-18 over Middle Tennessee. 45-10 over Virginia Tech. Then a close three-point loss to Pittsburgh. Sent them off into an ACC stretch where they were 1-6 and six into late November in the ACC with losses to Pittsburgh and Virginia, North Carolina, Notre Dame, Syracuse, and Wake Forest. But they ended the season, got their fifth win. They ended with a 10-point win over the Miami Hurricanes, 27-17. So like I said, they kind of ended on a uh, high note at Duke last year. David Cutcliffe is back. They will open the season in 60 days, hosting Middle Tennessee State. They don't have much to speak of out of conference. Uh, they really don't. Well, those three non-conferences, Middle Tennessee, Elon, and Charlotte. So they'll, you know, it'll probably be 3-0 to start the year and then jump into uh, ACC play. When they get into ACC play this year for Coach Cut, uh, the, the Blue Devils of Duke will travel to Pittsburgh, NC State, Notre Dame, Georgia Tech, and Miami, and they will host Wake Forest, North Carolina, Virginia, and Virginia Tech. David Cutcliffe has done an unbelievable job at Duke University. I don't know. I may have pointed this out to y'all at one time before, but hear these numbers and then think on them as you go into your afternoon. He replaced... Ted Roof at Duke in December of 2007. The previous coach, Ted Roof, was 4-42 and 42 at Duke, was 1-31 and 31 in the ACC. That program had had three winning seasons in the 25 years prior to him getting the job. And he immediately turned that program around. Immediately turned it around. Went four and eight his first year. Tripled their win total. And by year five, he coached a 10-win team into the Chick-fil-A Bowl. Ten wins, nine wins, eight wins, seven wins, eight wins. What he's done at Duke is truly remarkable. Hey, y'all have a great Tuesday. For Beaver, I'm Matt. We're out. We'll see y'all tomorrow. See you.